Avital Miller is a best-selling author whose books Healing Happens and Practice inspire people to achieve boundless energy, happiness, and success. Avital has been delivering extraordinary keynote presentations, breakthrough facilitation sessions, and internationally renowned dance performances to thousands of individuals all around the world for over 15 years. Her leadership background includes being a program manager at Microsoft, lead coach for Success Resources America, sales and marketing director for Crystal Clarity Publishers, yoga and fitness teacher trainer, and fitness director. Stages and shows where she has danced, sung, or spoken include the Kennedy Center, KTLA, Channel 7 News, KPCW, KCMJ, Miss South India Pageant, Global Workplace Wellness Summit, and Motivational Millennial. Her articles have been published in New Fashion Magazine, Toastmasters International Magazine, Fitness Professional Online, 30 Seconds, and Sacred Dance Guild Journal. She won the Exceptional Woman of Excellence Award from the Women Economic Forum, and her book Healing Happens won four awards, including one from Top Shelf. Avital has been trained as a neurolinguistic practitioner and an energy healer in pranic healing and Ananda Level 2 healing. She has performed and taught dance internationally since 1993, a graduate of Washington University in St. Louis, Missouri, with a Bachelor of Science degree in Mechanical Engineering and a major in Dance. She is known for offering beyond cutting-edge wisdom with authenticity, delightful energy, and infectious joy. Please join Glenn and his guest for a powerful segment of Essential Leadership Skills the podcast. This is a Touchstone Publishers presentation, your trusted source of leadership knowledge. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning, good morning, good morning. And I know it may not be morning where you are, but it's morning someplace in the world. Avatar, I appreciate you taking a few minutes of work with us today. Just thank you so much. You're just so powerful and have so much information to share with us. Let's get to it. But thank you for showing, being with us today. Thank you. And that was the best intro I've ever heard. That was amazing. Well, it's mostly because of all your skills and techniques and things we need to get people out to share. However, I have to ask you, here's my first question for you. Mm -hmm. What about you that didn't come out in that introduction that people should know about? What is it about you that's maybe special, that's different? Maybe not business related, but something about you that you like for people to know. Yeah. Well, I'll say this because you heard this diverse background, all of this opportunity for experience and leadership and bringing people together and supporting other people, business and performing dance and productions. And guess what? Last year, I changed or this past year it feels like last year, but okay. it's, <laughs> it's 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 the Jewish New Year, so technically, it was last year, according to the Jewish calendar. <laughs> but okay, I have given that. myself another new name, which is Galactic Experiences Creator. Oh. So many people might know that it's great to develop community for your clients. It's a great service to offer back to them. And it really helps them want to be a part of your community and work with you. And I create community based from community, which means that something that started out as three personal trainers, including myself, getting together to lead a holiday workout and a potluck, turned into, within a year and a half, turned into a 250-person charity event with a fashion show curated just for the event, outfits designed for sponsors trained to walk the runway, a date auction, dance performances, escape room, and all sorts of entertainment throughout the evening. We even created a book from the event. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So tell us real quickly about the book, and then I have some other questions, but you brought it up. Tell us a little bit about the book that you created. I didn't realize you had created a book through that event. Oh, I know. So (laughs) here's the book. It happens to be right here. So I can pull it forward. It is called Keep Smiling. and um, this is for the Valentine's Soiree, which is the name of the event. So we have Love Happens as the tagline. And what we do is during the event, we give people a card that says, keep smiling. And we take photos of them. It brings everyone a lot of joy automatically to oh, okay. Okay, take a cool. photo with something that says, keep smiling. This is a cute thing that I learned all the way back in grade school when my cousin did a science experiment 
on, you know, for those big school science fairs on smiling. And the physical act of smiling automatically puts the endorphins through your body and helps boost your mood. So smiling is literally one of the best ways to help change our mood. And this movement, the Keep Smiling movement came out because of a man who was having major health issues. Mm -hmm. So this ties back to my story as well uh, with with the health stories that I have. Um, He was having major health issues and he just decided to approach it with a smile. And he was so inspiring that other people wanted to go visit him in his uh, hospital room, right? A lot of times we just get too busy to continually visit, but people really wanted to because they felt uplifted through that experience. So that's part of it where the Keep Smiling movement came out. And I am a motivational teacher, right? I am a personal development guy. So what I actually did was behind the scenes of a party, but not really behind the scenes, within the scenes of the party, is planted seeds of of how we can continue to grow and, and aspire towards our highest as people. And what I did in the book was I actually wrote out more clearly what some of those messages were that we were sending out through the event. Okay, great, fantastic. You know, that, and I listened to what you created there, mm-hmm. and then I started paying attention to what else was going on in your world and your introduction and the things I know about you. How did you come from being a Microsoft program manager to working in the healing in the motivational field? Yeah, people always ask that question. How do you make such a jump? And Microsoft is an amazing company, amazing, amazing company. And How many of us at age 20 know what we're going to do for the rest of our lives? No, no, I'm not not even close, yes. Yeah. No, we're lucky now that we don't demand people to make a decision for the rest of their life. But at that time, you really did need to. And again, it's a great company, but I start really working it and I'm like, oh, this isn't for me. And I didn't know what to do because... I was brought up to do that. Right. <laughs> I was right. brought up to get a great job. My whole dad's side of the family are engineers. I was great in math and science. So it made sense for me to go into engineering. There is a little secret. I did want to do psychology also. My mother mm. convinced me to do engineering instead um, for good reason. She's like, well, you're going to do better in school because I just had better uh, you know, Mass brains, skills, yeah. right? those yeah. types of smarts, yeah. um, then you're going to get a better job. You're going to get more stability in work and higher pay. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. You know, back at that time, you didn't think about, well, what am I destined to do? What's my mission? What's my purpose? What's my passion? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Literally, when I left Microsoft, I couldn't figure out exactly what to do. So I thought, well, I'll just travel around the world for a year because then I can really immerse myself in other cultures and understand people. What did I want? A psychology degree. What did I do? I just went and got it through real life experiences. And I've actually since then studied all of these different types of systems, uh, whether it's Myers-Briggs or human design or astrology or Enneagram that teach you about people. So here I am traveling and, and one thing leads to another. So I can take you through this journey a little bit faster now, but I'm traveling around and I'm practicing my yoga and Pilates everywhere. I'm already trained as an instructor and I already taught dance and people are asking me everywhere to teach them because at that time, not everyone was doing it. They were just curious about it. Perfect timing to become a yoga instructor. Then I quickly became a teacher trainer, a fitness director, and I'm teaching 25 to 30 classes all over town, right? I was known as Energizer Bunny. Wow. Okay. Okay. And I started having issues with my hair falling out, with fatigue, with my muscles turning to fat. I was getting weaker than my students and wondering if I would be out of the job. Hmm. Right? So Glenn, if you lost your ability to speak, you'd start being concerned. How do I keep doing my podcast? So it was a very natural concern. And I did what most of us would do. I went to the doctor. Mm-hmm. That's where I got a diagnosis eventually of an autoimmune disorder called Hashimoto's as well as hypothyroidism. And then I was just put on a large dosage of medicine, sent out the door saying that's it for life. Okay. Mm. This is kind of like an arranged marriage. So if I'm stuck with this, let me at least make the best out of this. Okay. Figure out how to best live with this. 
So this is key. I didn't fight. I didn't resist. I flowed with what was happening. And I learned a lot. I learned all these things that I could change in my diet, in my environment, in mm -hmm. my thinking, in my emotions, in my relationships. And I read and online and books. And I went to all these different health and healing practitioners. I even studied one-on-one -on -one with an Ayurvedic doctor in India for a couple of months. Okay. So all of these things I was doing were studying me. Then I started meditating regularly. And do you know this, Glenn, like, and anyone listening, when you meditate, how do you feel? Much more relaxed, much more yeah. in control, much more centered. Exactly, exactly. So you feel good when you meditate. Now, if you don't feel good when you meditate, then please connect with me later because it might just be the way that you're going about it and I could make some really easy switches to help you. That's a side note. But what I want to say yeah. is that most of us, if, if meditation is right for us and we're doing the right type of meditation for ourselves, we're having a good experience from it. And I'm having a good experience meditating, but I'm getting sick again. So I went to the doctor mm. and the doctor said, yeah, well, this is just happening because you're overdosed on your medicine. So we lower my dosage of medication. Hmm. And then I leveled out. I felt good again. And then I started not feeling good. In the meantime, I'm meditating more. I went back to the doctor. She said, you're overdosed on your medication. You need to lower your dosage. It's kind of like going from medication to meditation. Exactly. This to me was a miracle because the doctors didn't say it was possible. So when you start to hear of opportunities to overcome seemingly insurmountable challenges, you automatically want to share it with others. And then your ears perk. Yes. To other stories, right? Just like when you're going to go buy a blue Honda CRV, what do you see everywhere? A blue Honda CRV, mm -hmm. a reticular activating system. Then I'm hearing stories more extreme than mine. There was a moment that I thought I was going to die just because I was getting worse and we weren't finding the solutions, but I really was never going to die from what was going on for me. Sure. Other people were given real terminal diagnoses. And for a few months, a few hours, but I was meeting them years later. Yes. And that's okay. what made me dive even deeper into the study of healing, into interviewing all these different experts for my book, Healing Happens, Stories of Healing Against All Odds, right on the chair back there. And I got all the certifications in yoga and meditation and energy healing and all different programs to help with counseling and coaching and neurolinguistic programming with people so that I could offer the most support as possible. And I wrote this book and traveled around the world sharing from this book. So that's how we get to the healing aspect. Okay. Okay. You know, what I want to ask you, because the healing aspect that you had to go through to start meditating um, to make those switches in your in your world, Mm -hmm. It seems like to me, and I'm just curious, you're dancing. You dance at the Kennedy Center, which I'd like to know more about, but you dance at the Kennedy Center. Did that discipline of dancing and getting good enough to dance at places that you've danced at, did that apply to your healing as well as you're moving into that healing area and teaching? Well, I'm going to answer that in, in two different ways because it, it can help and it can hurt. Okay. Um, so it can do both. But what I did out of the book was I pulled together the top four full-bodied success mastery strategies. And um, the first one is reason to live. Focus on your reason to live. Dr. Bernie Siegel was finding that his cancer patients who were terminal, who were focusing on their reason to live, were the ones who were surviving terminal diagnoses. And we could get more into the stories in a moment, but I'll go, go to your question. So when you do something that you love, for me, dance, then that is automatically going to keep your spirits high, whether or not it truly impacts your body. But from what a lot of doctors have seen, if you are doing what you love, then you're more likely to overcome health challenges. Okay. If you are overextending yourself or doing something for the wrong reason, you know, or making do much dance and then it becomes stressful, then it's not supportive of the healing process. And there were times that I was practicing. We had to go into the dance studio late at night and I was doing uh, acrobatics with my dance partner and all these flips and up in the air, blah, blah, blah. 
I very frequently felt pretty nauseous um, after rehearsing. Uh, but because I loved dancing, it helped me continue to push through and not get stopped mm -hmm. by that. So that, in a way, helped me continue to live life despite health challenges happening. Right. Okay. 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 So that makes sense then. So I guess there seems to be a secret there that I would like to just explore a little bit with you. And that's when you talked about being able to stay motivated and joyful in the work you're doing every day. I mean, mm -hmm. that seems to be a big secret. Now you did say something, we have what we call write it moments, but this is kind of a write it moment, I think, just knowing a little bit about you. How are you staying motivated so you can be joyful? I mean, being motivated to get the job done is one thing, but to be joyful, what's taking mm -hmm. place there? Yeah. Well, there's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yes, there is. There's a lot. We we were I could talk for a month, right, on on how we do this. But let's go back to the dance example. Okay. I was at a wonderful job and I was bored. And not very motivated, just not excited about it, not very productive. One of my mentors said, "Well, you should start dancing again." And I'll, and I'll say this, I stopped dancing when I lived at the yoga community because what they suggested was drop everything that you are because if you really want to know who you are, first of all, you'll create space for a new identity to come in, but you'll also see what comes back. So I hadn't mm. been dancing because I was really adamant about, about following that concept that they taught. I see. Um, otherwise, I wouldn't have stopped dancing. And I started dancing again. And all of a sudden, I'm feeling more motivated. I'm feeling more creative. I'm feeling more excited about the job. I'm more productive. I'm more energetic in the job because right. I did my reason to live, one of my reasons to live outside of the job, to bring that joy back into the job. When yeah, There's that writable moment, by the way. The reason to live mm -hmm. comes back into the job. That's one of those moments that you... People should be writing down. If I live in my reason, my purpose, mm -hmm. it can bleed right back into the job. Yeah. And I'll say this. Even if you're working a job that is your purpose, but you do it all the time and your purpose is also to have fun, which is part of mine, then that purpose of that job starts to lose its, its energy and its drive because mm -hmm. you're not creating the balance, the full balance that you need in your lifestyle. Hmm, that's interesting. So you could still be doing what you're meant to be doing and not feel motivated and excited. And that's off, often just means that you need to look at the full picture or your attitude. Because sometimes we okay. get a little selfish, like, oh, nothing's come back to me. I don't want to do this anymore. Well, you weren't doing it for you in the first place anyways. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. Okay. Okay, because my question comes in, we don't do things for ourselves, but should we not be doing things for ourselves? So, okay, I knew you were going to dive, dive into that because there's a lot of layers, of course, to that statement. Um, because a lot of times we do things for others because we think that's a good thing for ourselves to do. So we're actually doing it for ourselves. Um, because We do things for others because we feel good when we do things for others. So in a sense, that is also for ourselves. When mm. you have a mission to completely serve others and you start whining in the process, I'm not getting anything out of this. This isn't fun or nobody's giving back to me. That's when you want to start questioning. When, when you get into to feelings and responses that don't feel as good, to yourself uh, because though those are the moments where you're not paying attention to the bigger mission at hand to the purpose behind it and and what i would say to that is um just remind yourself for the purpose uh i'm gonna say this it's just it's hard for most people to imagine just completely doing something for others and not for themselves so 99.9% .9 of the people on the planet are going to still want something in return for what they're giving out. So it's not necessarily a realistic goal for everyone to just say, okay, nothing for myself. 
And that's why it was like, I needed dance on the side of my job. Right. And there's times where my work takes up all of my time. When I was creating the Valentine soiree, right. nonstop, I even stopped sleeping the last two weeks because there was so much to do for it. But I was so inspired by it and the concept of it that I was fine doing that. But when it was over, it was like, no, I'm going back to creating more balance back for myself again. Hmm, okay. Okay. So we we still we can't generally completely take ourselves out of the picture, but when you start to whine and whatnot, then just get into well, what do I need in return? What do I need in return? And go get that for yourself. So here's key because a lot of times you can't control what others give you. Actually, and I'll I'll say this, Glenn. I, I was I broke my foot. And right a couple months ago, and I was like, okay, I need I need help so that I can stay off my foot and heal. And then some people would come. It, it wasn't that much. And, and without getting into all the stories, I was like, they actually messed up the situation more than helped the situation. Hmm. Uh, like just, you know, somebody's going to come make me dinner, but then I don't hear from him until 930 and I'm sitting there starving and I'm not supposed to move, you know, on my foot. And when you're on crutches, like you can't do things with your hands and um, I mean, I just, you know, ordered food. I didn't wait till 930, but <laughs> yeah, still, still planned on this. Yeah. 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 It's just, um, there were, there were things happening that were causing more stress than help. And I just finally went, ah, stop needing this from others. Like just oh, figure out okay. how to give it to yourself, get stronger in yourself right now. What is the nourishment that I can give to me? And then, of course, these nice things come, right? Like Glenn sends me a laundry service gift. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who that guy was, but okay. So, <laughs> yeah. okay. You know, so, but that brings up the question to me because, and I've kind of thought about this question, obviously, because it's there, but overcoming the roadblocks, no matter what the challenges are. So you've been really challenged with the broken foot. You're a dancer, and that has to just mentally challenge you. But plus the fact that you do so much, what do you recommend to overcome some of these challenges? Because there are roadblocks that come up along the ways. What would you recommend that the leaders out there do? Okay, get this roadblock. What are you going to yeah. do to overcome it? Yeah, that really came up. I, I was planning a big charity event while on yeah. a broken foot and yes. figure out how to move things around you know, despite the broken foot uh but this this concept what i want to go back to is the full body success mastery strategies in the second one which is don't listen to everything hmm. and i want to give this example maureen bell was into natural design energy healing she loved plants and animals right? Maybe you like some plants and animals. And she also was a type A personality. So she had a lot of drive. She pushed herself for her visions beyond anything that was going on with her body. She started brushing shoulders with cancer. She was in a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. She passed out. They went to the hospital and they said she had four to eight weeks to live from a type of cancer called non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Yeah. Four to eight weeks later, just as predicted, she's 80 pounds, bedridden, right, in hospice care, unable to get up or eat morphine patches, oxygen tubes. Her son comes to visit, thinking they need to say goodbye. This is the last time he's going to see her. They were expecting her to die any moment. But he remembers the strong single mom who raised him, who was into natural design and energy healing. So he said to her, why didn't you fight? Why didn't you fight? Hmm. And she wondered, oh my God, do I have a choice? Choice, choice. The word rings in her ear. And all of a sudden, she wakes up out of that experience and for the first time doesn't feel pain in her body and is hungry. She has one more round of chemo scheduled. Her intuition says, oh, I don't need this. But then yeah. it said, we'll just go ahead and do it and research what's in the chemo drugs. So she decides not to. read it 
vincastrine made from the vinca plant. That's periwinkle. That hmm. was her favorite plant that she planted everywhere she lived as an adult. Okay. Now she's going into this round of chemo, realizing her favorite plant is being put into her body. And normally it would take about 10 hours for all of the drugs to get into her system. This time it only took about three. Normally her urine would turn blood red. This time yeah. it stayed its normal color. Right. Her hair was growing back in. She was gaining weight. And the nurses called the doctor to say, are we giving her a placebo? Like, Chemo is not supposed to do this to yeah. Yep. She didn't need to listen to the prognosis. She is alive and healthy today over 10 years later. She didn't need to listen to what the normal side effects are of chemo. All of those things were different. But now I, I want us to think about other pictures that happen in our life. So I, I was actually at a, a business conference and everyone was sitting around the table and I started telling my stories and every single one of them had, oh, yeah, the doctor said I'd never be able to move my back again. The doctor said I'd never be able to walk again, use my arm again. And they all are, are fully functioning people. So those those things definitely happen a lot. But let's also apply this to a real world. And I want you to think about people like Oprah Winfrey, Steven Spielberg, mm -hmm. okay. Albert Einstein, okay. Lady Gaga, Michael Jordan. They were all told they didn't have what it takes in their field of expertise. But thank goodness they didn't listen because look at what they ended up creating and the right. impact they right, had right. on other people's lives. So one simple way to overcome roadblocks is just to simply say, I don't need to listen to everything. Roger Bannister, the first person to beat the four minute mile how many coaches and doctors said it wasn't physically possible? How many people oh, sure. have beat it yeah. since him? Yeah. Yeah. How many people? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you said something, though, that I want to just have you coach me on just a little bit. Because earlier in the discussion of these how to overcome your roadblocks, you said her son came to her and mm -hmm. said you had a choice. Do you think that that's a good way to um, overcome roadblocks is to realize you have a choice in how this is coming together or a choice in how you're going to react? This woman went from almost dying and having no functioning of her body to starting to heal by simply having that mind shift, you know, contrary to what the doctor said. How many times do we feel stressed because we think things are going to go in a certain direction mm -hmm. and we don't realize, oh, maybe it can go in another direction. So as a combination of both, wasn't it then? Her taking the choices, she didn't go one direction, but deciding not to listen to what the conventional wisdom was. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to say this tip because a lot of times people are also lazy or they're not as creative. They're not as out of box thinking. So all of you listening, you are probably more out of box thinkers. So here's the deal. When somebody gives you a no, do you just take it and walk away? No. Yeah. <laughs> you say, oh, what about this? Or what about this? Or what about this? Or what if we do it this way? Then, then could we get a yes? <laughs> Yeah. Okay. You start to ask questions because that that person doesn't always know the out of the box. I mean, maybe sometimes you just need to talk to the manager who has you know more control over things, right? Um, but mm. you don't have to take those no's. You can find the yes. Okay. Okay. So that's a good point. You don't have to take the no's. You can find the yes, and you don't need to listen to what everybody says. When you're trying to decide what to listen to and what not to listen to, do you have any advice on that? Yeah. The first thing I'll actually say is don't say anything to anyone if the concept feels vulnerable so that you don't have to worry about what you're listening to, not listening to. You're just not hearing anything. You're hearing your own inner voice, which is the top thing to listen to. 
when others talk, you can still listen to everything. I remember when I was buying my house on the Oregon coast, like, oh, well, it's going to be all the bad weather and there's going to be, you know, more salt that you have to deal with and more mold. And I just went, oh, okay. So how do we get around the weather? How do we get around the salt? How do we get around the mold? I'll just prepare. Instead of letting those things stop me, I'll just prepare and, and say, how do I work with those things? So you can still listen to everything, but don't judge whether or not to move forward depending okay. on what people say. Okay. I, mean, I remember last year too, this one gentleman who I thought he was going to be one of my, my tickets as a partner for the Valentine soiree to make it a successful big event. And right. he was the one who started going, well, I, I don't think it's going to happen because too many people are coming out of the pandemic and they don't have money to donate and they don't want to go out and do things. And yeah. I, I had 40 people at the event, like during the pandemic, because we spread out in a room, I had 80 people the year before I'm brand new to Denver. All of a sudden I have 250 people at this event. I raised $50,000 over three months. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Because you didn't listen to that advice from the person who you felt had the ticket. You I didn't the let it stop yeah. me. Okay. Yeah. And he wasn't really saying anything constructive. Like there was, there was nothing that I could do, you know, with that, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like if, yeah. if he was kind of like, uh, well, I actually, I, I can say this because I, for a moment for the charity Jubilee, um, because again, people were worried, are we going to be able to get big donations? And I thought, all right, well, let's just get a bunch of small donations instead, because it's easier for people to give five or $20, right? Than a few thousand. Um, so let's just approach more people and get smaller donations, right? So that could be one way to do it is if, if it's like clear fact, well, nobody's going to give you a big chunk of change. Okay. Well then just change the way you, you bring in the money. Okay. Okay. There's another thing we did. See, this is this is our, the out of the box thinking comes in. We had a sponsor who said, "Okay, I have a, a solar program um, where where if you have these two electric companies, and then um, we'll set it up so they tap into our solar farm, and then you're going to get a five percent discount on your electric bill every month, mm. and we're going to donate fifty to hundred dollars to." your charity for you signing up with us. And we're going to give you a hundred dollar Amazon gift card. So we just created a win-win where it didn't cost people anything right. to create an opportunity to give money back into the system and for the charity. Okay. Okay. So habit number seven from, I'm uh, sorry, habit number four from Stephen Covey, create a win-win situation. And that's critical. But I'm also noticing something that I had a question for you too as well. This idea of establishing a mindset that mm -hmm. magnetizes success to you. That's kind of what you've been describing a little bit. Can you talk a little bit more about that, how you can establish a mindset there? Yes. So the establishing the mindset. Um, and I'll give you the example from the Full Body to Sex Mastery again. Number three which is do what you can do. There's actually hand motions to all these. So you just roll your hands in front of your heart, do what you could do. It gets the energy moving. Mm -hmm. uh, I, re I remember when I was a kid and let's say I had a lot of things to put away at once. My mother would go, well, just put 10 things away. Now for most people, once they start getting the momentum going, then right. they end up putting it all away. I'm still very literal. So I would literally only put 10 things away, but um, <laughs> and then I'd have to do it again later. And at least the project got smaller and smaller and got easier to approach. Uh, but let me give a different type of example. Also from my book, Healing Happens, Dr. Brooke Goldner had lupus as a child and a teen. And it was so serious that they actually put her on chemo as a teen. Mm. And she didn't think she was going to have a long life, but she thought, well, let me see if there's anything I can do to help other people suffer less from health issues. And I'll become a doctor within the, whatever time I have, I'll go become a doctor. And it, it's rough because they don't give somebody who's had lupus less of a schedule. So she's passing out. She's having many strokes, sure. uh, but she's making it through. And then she meets Thomas Tadlock. And they start dating. Hmm. Within one month of dating, 
he asks her to marry him. Okay. She's going, well, oh God, I mean, this is a month. We've just been talking about what books we like and movies we like. I haven't said anything about the lupus thing. She's like, I have to tell him right now. Yeah. She says to him, well, look, I have this disease called lupus and I'm not expected to live a long life. My body's going to deteriorate as I age and you're going to have to take care of me and I can't have kids. Hmm. He sat back for one moment and he said, well, a short life with you is better than none at all. Okay. Okay. I'm always trying to fight the tears when I say that. Um, it's beautiful. She's like, oh my God. I only ever thought I'd be wearing a white coat. Now I'm going to be wearing a white dress. So I want to look as amazing <laughs> as possible. possible. Okay. And Thomas says, well, you've come to the right place. He used to train MTV stars to quickly lose that partying pooch before their next video is being recorded. Oh, okay. so I'll, I'll okay. put you on my diet plan. She says, okay, but I don't eat meat. His diet plan wasn't vegan, but because of her not eating meat and going on his diet plan, it made her become a vegan. And, and then it was the way that she was doing it. The wedding was a few months later. Mm-hmm, she did mm-hmm. a routine test for lupus shortly before the wedding. There was no sign of it. Wow. I think it's been over 15 years, no sign of lupus. She has two beautiful kids. Fully okay. healthy. Okay, okay. What did she do? Here's Do what you could do. Vanity, she says this. Um, vanity. She wanted to look good for her wedding. Okay. That was the thing that tipped the scale, right? That was the change that she made in her life. I actually have this joke in the chapter. I call it, was it love or was it kale? Right? Because maybe it was just love. But she, because she's a doctor, she did the research on food and she's helped hundreds of other people uh, reverse autoimmune disorders by changing their diet. Right. So do right. what you can do. Okay. Whatever motivates you. Take those little steps. You know, that also, you know, just again, when I ask you to coach me on this, doesn't that point back to the ideal of being selfish? She didn't want to look good for the wedding for her fiance. She wouldn't look good for the wedding for herself. Mm-hmm. And that mindset sounds like that that motivated her to not only get in shape, but to her mind changed. Would you say that's the case for a lot of people? That mindset, okay, I'm going to do this for myself. It's going to make me better. And therefore, mm-hmm. everybody else will be better. Well, let, let's actually talk about the analogy that we created in the Sit and Succeed program last night. And in situations where you're in a challenging situation and it feels like somebody is angry, sad, mad, I mean, they're, they're it, it feels attacking. Like if, if you receive the energy around you, it doesn't feel good. And, and there's another technique, you know, like, okay, let's go out there and then change the situation and project love out to them. And that can be very wearing. And then we practice the third option, which is saying the mantra, I am love. Hmm. And, and so this is interesting because we're there's some concern around selfishness, but at the same time, we just we need more words for selfishness, if that makes sense. Um, selfishness when it's not great is when you're not aware or caring uh-huh. at all about what's going on for other people. Selfishness when you're tuning into what you need and who you are and being you it is a very different thing. And that automatically projects light. So I started changing the way I post on social media. I actually used to, even back when we had cameras instead of phones, I wouldn't take photos of myself on trips. I went, I know what I look like. All the people <laughs> said, well, we want to see photos of you. Right, <laughs> so I started right. taking a few photos of me. And when I started doing social media and I would post these amazing quotes from the Dalai Lama and Mother Teresa, and yeah, a couple people would like it. I would post a photo, simple photo of me doing something enjoyable in life or just my face after I got this amazing haircut. And hundreds of people will like it. Our pure joy is what inspires other people. So yes, in a way, in this definition of selfish, when we're more self-tuned in, then we shine light, we shine love, and we create a greater impact on other people. Hmm. Okay. 
This is also why a big part of my mission right now is hosting fun events. Let's create opportunities to just create enjoyment and that'll inspire everything else that we need. In a small nutshell there, you kind of described emotional intelligence. And I'm wondering when it comes to your work, (coughs) you don't really talk about the technical things like that. I don't believe, but does it ever cross your mind that they are crossing over to each other? Emotional intelligence, self-assessment, self-regulation, and how you affect other people. And there's one other part to it, but those three parts you just described. Yeah. Do you ever, like when you're coaching somebody, do you ever kind of say, okay, listen, you're an, intellect, you're an analytical type of person. Let me tell you why this works. Do you ever do that type of work with people or is it just getting down to the feelings and the, the, the base issues? I don't like to label people. Okay. So um, I have studied systems that give me labels so that I could kind mm. of understand certain direction to help support people. Uh, but I don't need to tell them what the label is because then I'm putting them in a bucket and kind of limiting the opportunity for change going forward. Um, but yes, I will use the wisdom from things like that in in order to help people progress and move forward. Ultimately, our greatest growth and our greatest success is going to come not just from the emotional intelligence and maturity, but also from knowing how to process and work with our emotions. So again, go back to that arranged marriage analogy that I meant that I mentioned before. We are permanently married to our minds and our emotions. But we can actually change partners in any second, or a partner can completely change in any second, right? If you change that analogy around a little bit. So we're not stuck with that old partner, with those old emotions. Uh, yeah. We can tune in into a different radio frequency at any moment. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. At any moment, you can tune in. How hard is it to jump to a new frequency? Or uh, I think some people just call it quantum jumping or quantum leaping into a new mm-hmm. frequency of feeling how do you have a method or a way to teach that i know you do but let me give you the opportunities yeah yeah i want to say this first because this is what's popping in my head abraham hicks if you've heard of her so there's a woman named esther hicks who channels right a group of beings named abraham and the first time the very first time that she meditated, she started to hear them. And she explains how did that happen? Because she didn't have resistance. Mm -hmm. She didn't have resistance. So in in a way, it is up to us as to how quickly are we going to transform, change things, move to the next state of growth based on our choice. Right. Right. Back in that choice word. Well, because Maureen was choosing to believe the doctors and, and go into death. And then her son put another thought in her head. And she she even actually went into a near-death experience where she felt like she was separate from her body. And she could just ask her body, do you want to go back alive? Or do you want to keep going into the light that we're seeing here? And mm. the body said, hey, let's try this out. Because we see all these things that we could be doing alive as a human. Oh, um, curious. Okay. And that's when she started healing right away. There's another good book, uh, Anita Morjani, Dying to Be Me. So that's another great, great story if you want examples of, of people just going through that transformation that quickly. And it, it was simply a, a, just a change in belief in, in thought patterns. Um, so what I want to say to to help you change, and again, I have 20 million things I could say, but this is the one popping in my head. So I'll say this one. Which is also imagine what you're getting out of being in the situation that you're in right now, which sounds weird when it seems like the situation is horrible. And this is really something that I can help people understand through coaching to say, what is the purpose of being where I am right now? This is actually the fourth full body success mastery strategy. It's asking the question, what is the gift? Uh, I mean, health issues are, are horrible. 
And we don't have to feel like it's some divine retribution from God because of anything we've done wrong. But sometimes it's a sign that we've grown and it's time to make changes in our life. And people move different cities. They change relationships and all of a sudden they start healing. Right, right, right. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. So just finding out how to finish what, what it is that is happening right now will give you that freedom to jump to the next frequency. Say it again. Find out how to finish what is happening right now, finish it, and then you'll be able to jump to the next frequency. I'm trying to move that into the business category, business world. Mm -hmm. How do we find out to finish what's happening now, to Mm -hmm. finish the relationship, the how we form the relationship with some of our coworkers? And that allows us to jump to the next reality that we're ready to go to? Yeah. Okay. I'll give a personal example if that helps. Uh, I would like to be speaking on bigger stages, right? Doing more speaking. We had a pandemic. The pandemic's done. So now there's the world is opening up, right? So there's more freedom uh, to do more of that. And... I just wasn't taking the actions of applying and I couldn't even find, couldn't even find it. Mm. Well, I've also known that there's a part of me when you put yourself out there more, you also get a lot of more mix of energy coming back to you. Oh, and there can be negative energy. Right. And some people say, you know, if, if you're not making anyone angry, then you're not making an impact. Right. Um, but if we're, if we're really making transformation happening, then we're <laughs> we're rubbing a lot of people's edges. And, right. and that's really hard for me to handle when things like that are happening to people. So um, I've been working on my ability to not intake what is going on for somebody to be the I am love mantra. Right, to just stand in the presence of who I am and not be as impacted by other people. And then all of a sudden, and you know this because we've been talking, but all of a sudden this floodgate opened. I applied to 30 speaking engagements over the weekend and I got an opportunity to be a regular speaker for an organization. And it's I did, I, I got done with the, oh, I need to protect myself, you know, from, from other people. I don't know how to handle like that energy. So I just looked at like, okay, this is what's going on. This is why I'm holding myself back. How do I overcome this? You know, how do I make it easier to step out there? Sometimes like, let's say somebody who's just, they're not finding success over and over again. They're not finding success. So, What we need to remember is that we as humans have created a a paradigm of what success means and Mm -hmm. and where we think life should go. Absolutely have, yes. That isn't necessarily the truth about life. Life can also be that we come here to experience the whole array and diversity of what is happening in life. Also, what can happen, and there's an unlimited number of emotions. We as humans have judged what's good and bad, and therefore we should feel this and not feel this. But when we're out of the body, we don't necessarily have that judgment. So we don't necessarily you know, think some emotions are bad and some emotions are good. And when you start going into different cultures and meeting different people and different families, they're also going to have different opinions as to what sure. bad emotions to feel. Um, so even within our, our world right now, in the context of the paradigms that each community creates, you know, those are a little bit different. Um, but sometimes you also need to go through enough of the opposite in order to get to where you want to go. Um, so you just have to keep in mind that sometimes you are where you are because you're going to keep learning all of these things. So like mm-hmm. I, I want a life partner. Well, I've been single most of my life. So what has it done? It's It's given me all of this time to help myself grow, to become completely clear in what I want, to study about relationships. And what is the impact of that? I have a wealth of knowledge and information to help support other people now. 
because of being, if I was automatically in a great relationship from the start, I might not have studied as much about this, but maybe I just needed to feel the pain of being single, right? For other people, I started with the analogy of just the pain of not being successful, right? The pain of not necessarily making money, whatever it might be, because that's an emotion in the human experience that we've come here to feel. So feel it deeply. But okay, sometimes so. there is just a thing where you need to grow. Like I needed to grow on my ability to handle a variety of, of energies and emotions coming at me, right? So sometimes it's the personal growth and sometimes it's just experience it fully until you've had enough of it. Tony Robbins, when he started his first set of coaching was to help people stop smoking. His process was actually to have them smoke a whole lot. This is one of the neuro-linguistic programming techniques is just overdo that really bad habit until you get sick of it and you can't do it anymore. Yeah. And that's how he would help people stop smoking. Aversion therapy, yeah. Okay. I mean, he'd have them yeah. sit there with like, you know, a cigarette in each finger and they'd have to smoke them all at once. Like, <laughs> Yeah, oh yeah, yep, yep. And then he, yeah, he did a lot of great NLP work in that area as well. You know, I want to be respectful of your time and we've already gone past the time that I told you we would. So do oh. you have, I have about two more, maybe three more questions. Do you have the time for us to continue? Yeah, we can do that. Okay. So this is kind of a different subject, but it all kind of ties together the more I kind of understand these things. Mm-hmm. Raising your energy and being productive. Mm-hmm. Talk about that for a little bit. Yeah. And maybe tie to a couple other things. Yep. Okay, so we think about science class. Energy's always there. And it just changes from one form to another. And it moves in different directions. What is your body position when you're sad and you're tired? Sad and tired. I'm still retired, yeah. What is your body position when you're excited and energetic? Open. Up. Mm -hmm. Open and up. So we talk about raising energy. We're creating space for that energy to move up. And that will automatically help you feel more energetic and joyful, which then automatically goes into your productivity ability. That's one. Second is in meditation with the techniques that I do, you're focusing at the point between the eyebrows. Scientists, when they study People using intuition, this is the part of the brain that's stimulated. Now imagine that we're trying to stimulate our intuition. So yogis say this is the seat of highest consciousness. So what I'm going to say is that's intuition. So we can tie that back to science. Okay. Okay. If that makes sense to some people. So when we have intuition, we're also more easily and more quickly making decisions and the best decisions. There's less trial and error in the process, which means that your productivity increases. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. And the third thing is, is that once you're in that level of thinking and and energy, you're in more of a super conscious state. So we have this intuitive ability, but we also have this ability to feel more motivated. We have a more positive perspective over everything. And we don't get as caught up in the little challenges that are happening for people. So then we're more productive, right? Because of all those reasons too. So the question to me comes the fact, okay, I can make the choice Mm -hmm. to go to a higher state, to go Mm -hmm. to a higher level and kind of not worry about the things that are lower than that that mm-hmm. are hinderous, that if I do them, it's going to keep my energy level low. There are times, though, when those are required. Like you were saying earlier, filling out 30 applications, that's not a whole lot of fun. Okay, that's not, and you could have some energy with that, but by the time you're at application number three or four or five, it slows you down. Can you give us a, um, maybe a Glenn, exercise? <laughs> I want to say this. Yeah. It felt like a video game. It was so fun. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so th- this is an example, though, of, of when we raise our our energy, 
mm-hmm. that we actually feel the motivation. Like I mentioned for the Valentine's story, I stopped having a social life because there was so much to do for that event. And I just was motivated to do that and I couldn't do anything else. So want to keep in mind that when we're doing the right thing, now the only thing that would happen is um, by like 10 p.m. at night, I would start getting annoyed because I was ready to stop, right? I want a good night's sleep. I want to wind down before I go to bed. Um, but throughout the day, you know, up until that point, I'm like, okay, do more, do more, do more, do more. This is so exciting. All these opportunities are going to open up. I'm putting myself out there. Even if I don't get these, I'm putting myself out there. I'm creating a new energy direction of where things are going to go. Okay. But you want You want an example of an exercise you can do to raise your energy. Cause here's the thing. The first level is making a choice, but the next thing is figuring out how to invite the energy up. And with more time and more practice, more and more of it can shoot up. If you imagine a a hose or a pipe and there's a little bit of of dirt and, you know, a muck in there, it's kind of like your your sink garbage disposal and the water just doesn't quite get through. once, Once you clean it out, then the water goes, right? Right. So okay. we're still doing the slow cleaning process to help open up the tube for the energy to go. Whoo. Okay. So take a double inhale and tense all the muscles in your body. Make a scrunchy face. Make it as fun as you can. Tense even more. Really feel your body vibrate. Exhale, release. Just note, sometimes we think we need to hold back in doing something so we preserve energy. But remember, there's always energy. It's just a matter of, of where you're directing it. So mm. you can tap into an unlimited supply of energy in any moment. So I want you to do that again with that in mind that it'll actually energize you to do this rather than deplete what you think is a limited supply of energy. So double inhale, tense again. Double exhale, release. One more time, double inhale, tense. Tense to your max and then tense even beyond that. So everything's really, really vibrating. Your face is really, really funny. Really get it in your whole face, every single muscle, every single cell. And then exhale and release and let it all go. Just sit up nice and tall. Close your eyes. And gaze just slightly upwards under closed eyelids. And really go ahead and close your eyes, even you, Glenn, so that you can feel the experience rather than thinking about the experience. Because that's the best way you're going to be able to experiment and know how these things impact you. And just notice the sensation of your breath going in and out of your nose. And your belly expanding and relaxing back in. Have your eyes gaze just slightly upwards as if you were trying to look to the tip of a distant mountain. If you're raising your eyes too much, it'll cause a headache. So then you'll know you're trying too hard. Relax a little. You're just looking up a little. It's that simple act that puts you into the superconscious state of mind. And I want you to imagine as as you breathe, the breath is going up and down. Stay in the experience. Um, But as you breathe, the breath is going up and down through the center of your spine. And that's also like an energy movement going all the way from the base, the tailbone, up through the throat, the medulla oblongata, and then over to that point between the eyebrows. So keep looking at that. So you linger there for a moment when you inhale and get to the top. And then you exhale and let it release back down. And if you want a visual, you can just imagine a beautiful white golden light there. And if you're more influenced by sound, listen to the sound of your breath as you're doing that. It's kind of like an ocean wave passing to shore and away. Okay. Take two more breaths, just gentle breaths. And then slowly open your eyes. So that's like a tiny taste in the beginning instruction for some of the like meditation and breathing techniques that you can use to get there. Is that what you bring to the table when you talk about sit and succeed, the mastermind? Is that what you kind of bring there? Is that, I'm setting you up the curveball there. Easy, easy softball, I should say, but that's kind of- <laughs> that, that's like a, that is one portion of the table. 
um, you could say there's four segments to this table. So the other one in, in terms of, of what can I do to help people with the healing process, it's neuro-linguistic programming. And sometimes the meditations are created from a neuro-linguistic programming process, um, but it's even just understanding our mindset and how it impacts our programming. And we do networking. So that's you know, another section of the table so that we can connect in community and build support and also see that we're not alone in the challenges that we have. Yeah. And then the last thing I want to say is that I'm sharing wisdom. And what I'm always attempting to do every time that I'm sharing wisdom is think of what is something, what I like to say, beyond the cutting edge, right? That's not the thing that people are commonly talking about. It's a different perspective, a new perspective. So we can expand our potential understanding. And sometimes just getting the right wisdom is healing enough for people. They don't have to go through all these other steps. I, I loved that because I was doing intuitive readings the same time as energy healing. And people would walk out looking the same from either one. The intuitive readings would give them wisdom. I don't just sit there and like predict future because I believe the future can change anyways. So we just talk about What's the wisdom and guidance we can use to get to where we want to be? Okay. Okay. You know, um, you said this, and this is not a good question, but NLP has a pretty bad reputation now as far as a uh, science or a learning method. Um, list the people who, mm-hmm. I don't know, I won't, some people you listen to will say that that's not, it's a, a fake science, it's a fake thing. Mm-hmm. Why do you use it? Because it works. Okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, I hate to say this, but a lot of times when something is great and something works, but it threatens something else to go out of business, they're going to do their best to prove that this thing doesn't work instead of just changing careers. Um, <laughs> so let, let's move, let's advance with the times. And um, a lot of people I know, like you really want to see the the research, um, you know, and, and the science of things. And, and let's say the science doesn't know how to explain neuro-linguistic programming in a way that makes sense to you. Just look at all the case studies of people whose lives have changed. I, one of my clients, he was going to the emergency room because of anxiety attacks. Right. When we started working together, he didn't have friends, couldn't get a girlfriend, you know, didn't like his job. What's happening right now? No anxiety attacks. Mm -hmm. He's recovered from all the bills that needed to go to the hospital in response to going to the emergency room. He has this freaking awesome girlfriend Mm -hmm. and a new job that's at a much better level than he was at before. And he's starting his independent career as a swing instructor. Wow. Okay. okay. All of these things have happened. And I have more and more stories of how people's lives are changing when all I did, all they did was do the neuro-linguistic programming with me. So I think that it's it's not harmful. It doesn't hurt you. And and so if you want to try it and just see, like, does it help me? Yes. Does it not? No. Okay. I'll just, I just won't do it. And I don't need to believe in it. Okay. Okay. So to start kind of wrapping things up, I want to know what are you doing right now? What are you doing right now to help people? What am I doing right now? I am speaking. Okay. <laughs> I'm doing these podcast interviews. Uh, but you just had on there the Sit and Succeed uh, Mastermind on there. So hopefully it's okay if I can offer a gift yeah. um, because you're going to want to hang out with Glenn and I online on Monday nights. Um, or you can watch recordings uh, of us chatting because there's over 200 recordings in the membership site of these meditations and neuro-linguistic programming processes that are approaching all different areas of life. Whether you want that courage to take the next step in your business, you want to have more energy, you want to have greater health. I, I've been addressing all of these things in the program. We had a great session last night on how to overcome when we feel a sense of anxiety or anticipation towards something that may happen. Uh, so just go to free gift from avital.com. Avital is spelled A, V for victory, I, T for talented, A, L, free gift from avital.com. You'll get a free month of the sit and succeed mastermind there. There's a couple other gifts, like a free chapter for my healing happens book on there and a free discovery session. If you want to start getting more of a one-to-one coaching where we can approach more deeply 
what are those aspects of why aren't things working out well right now? And how do I connect the dots to bring the desires to reality that I have? And the last thing is putting together the Valentine Soiree, which is a big charity event that I mentioned earlier to help end child hunger. And that's simply at valentinesoiree.com. Give us the um, first uh, URL again, the free gift at Avital or just free gift? Free gift from avital.com. All right, so those, of course, will be in the show notes. And for those of you looking online, it's up there right now for you to take a look at, I believe. Okay, so you have right there, free gift from avital.com. So take advantage of those type of things and see how well that works out for you. Um, The other question I want to conclude with, what questions should I have asked you that I did not ask you? What questions should I have asked you that I did not ask you? I don't know. Um, <laughs> you asked really good questions. Uh, first of all, I want to say that. And I feel, hmm, how do you get out of the mind? Okay, great question. How do you get out of the mind? How do you get out of the mind? One of the tricks is get into the body. Um, we had a bunch of practices. So if you join the Sit and Succeed, Um, From last night, you'll be able to do those practices uh, from the recording that's getting posted on the website. So that's called calming anticipation. Um, But it's getting in the body is one of the easiest ways to get out of the mind. The breathing exercises are wonderful and they calm down the mind. Um, Moving, running, hiking for a number of hours because you can be lost in your thought for a while. Uh, But get out of the city so that you don't have influences to influence your thought but dance and singing mm-hmm. are huge for helping you get out of the mind um why because often the mind is like that thing that clogs up the pipes or the garbage disposal it doesn't actually support you quite often with helping move that energy mm, okay wow 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 fantastic i appreciate you taking the time i know we went over time i appreciate you doing that Um, thank you very much. Thank you.